1: Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about ideas and strategies for how to make our lives happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about why, perhaps counterintuitively, it's a good idea to state our preferences. And we'll discuss a question from a listener who faces an unusual challenge from her in-laws. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, the five senses, human nature. I'm back in my little home office in New York City and joining me today from LA is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, we had so much fun in Kansas City. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in
0: LA. And yes, Gretch, we ate Winsteads, we made cookies, we did all the things that you and I love to do at the holidays.
1: All the things. And now for this week's Try This At Home, our suggestion is to state your preference. When it comes to making a decision, say what you want.
0: Yeah, and this is something that comes up a lot when you're coordinating a decision with other people, (laughs) like picking a brunch spot, deciding what movie to see, choosing a
1: book for a book group, which you
0: and I both do.
1: So here's the thing. It's easy to assume, I think many of us do assume, that we will seem more likable and more accommodating when we express no preference, when we say, oh, I don't care, I'll let you decide. But recent research shows that when people state a preference, even if they don't actually have a preference, it can be better for our relationships. So they did research in which people were asked to jointly decide where to eat dinner, which movie to watch, and what snack to eat. And there was this disconnect. The people who said, oh, I'd be happy with any option, they thought they were making it easier for the other person. So they think, oh, I'm being accommodating. I'm being easygoing. This is so likable. But what it turned out is that being on the receiving end, when somebody says to you, oh, I don't care, you pick, it actually increased the decision maker's perceived difficulty and led them to like the other person less. So that's so
0: interesting because it would seem like this allows people to suit themselves yeah. and they'd appreciate the fact that you'd let them do that. No,
1: see, this is the interesting thing where there's a disconnect because the person who's saying, oh, I don't care, you pick, feels like they're making it things easier for the other person, but in fact, they're making things harder for the other person. It turns out that when someone tells us, oh, I don't care, I don't have a preference, we tend to assume that the person does have a preference, but they're just not saying it which seems annoying. Also, what's interesting is we tend to assume that they want something different from what we would want, and here's the bad result. It leads many of us to then choose an option that they like less in an effort to compromise. So then no one gets what they want, and everybody has less enjoyment, and also there's a decrease in a sense of affection for the other person because you feel like, oh, gosh, you know, like, why won't you just tell me what you want?
0: Yes, well Gretchen, I mean I know from my own personal experience when talking about where to go for dinner, I mean I yeah. think that comes up yeah. all, the time. all the time. I do find it annoying like if Adam is, says you choose. Yeah. I would much prefer that he say, "Well, I'm really in the mood for a burger yeah. or something." So we have a place to go and I know he feels the same. Yeah. He hates it if I just <laughs> say, "Oh, whatever you
1: want." Right.
0: We're always passing the hot potato yeah, yeah, back yeah, and yeah, forth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it seems like you feel like you're being more likable and more accommodating, but actually people do appreciate it if you state a preference. But what if you really don't care? So here are some things that you can try, some which were suggested by the research and some I just think are interesting to think about, like, how can you make it easier for the other person to pick what they want if you're like, I really don't care. So somebody might as well get what they want. Okay. So one thing you can do is you can eliminate less favorable options. Like I could say, I'm happy with anything, but not sushi because I don't like sushi. And so then people are like, I know that I'm not picking something that Gretchen's not going to want because she said, that this is not a favorable option, so eliminated it.
0: Gretchen, I'll do that if someone's invited me over for dinner and they say, you know, any food preferences or like that, and I will say I don't eat lamb because I do not eat lamb, so I'll just put that out there, or salmon. Right. I'll say I don't eat lamb or salmon, and I have to say salmon because that's a lot of times what people serve. That's what I serve. I don't know if that's obnoxious (laughs) of me. But I just really do not like either
1: of those two things. So if you're going to ask, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Well, and then I think people feel like, oh, now I can be a better host. I mean, which is what you want. Another thing that you can do is you can say something like, I'll choose next week, but like today I really don't choose. So you pick. And then you have this feeling like, well, it's Mm. legitimate for me to really think about what I want because I know you'll get your turn. I don't have to try to be accommodating in this decision because you'll get your chance to choose next week when maybe you care more. And then I think sometimes you could just suggest two options and then I'll pick. So, Elizabeth, Elizabeth you pick two that sound good to you and then I'll pick. Now, again, that's sort of the decision thing. Even generating those two options is difficult, but sometimes. That's pretty straightforward, and that way you feel like you're being accommodated and being accommodating.
0: And then you can also, Gretchen, suggest a condition that makes it work for you, then let them choose. Yes. So, for instance, if someone says, where do you want to go for lunch? Like, I'll say, well, I'm coming from the valley, yes. so What's happen- somewhere in Beverly Hills is good for me, or somewhere in the valley. Right,
1: because it's sort of a halfway or it's a convenient place. Yes. Yeah, well, so I will often say something like... Well, in my own neighborhood, I like to go to Orsay at 75th and Lex, but I'm happy to go anywhere. If you have a place you want to go, that's great, but it's helpful if it's near the 456 subway line. Because what people often say is, well, actually, I have to be back by a 2.30 meeting, so can we do it in Midtown? And I'm like, that's great. But they know that they're being accommodating to me because it's near the 456 line, which makes it very convenient. But then sometimes people really don't care, and they're like, oh, let's just go to Orsay, which is great for me because then it's literally a very short walk. Yes. And now that I know that, I don't have to like figure that out every time. But it really does allow people to graciously accommodate each other in a way where really they are getting what they want, which is I don't want to travel an hour and 15 minutes to go to a place that's five blocks from your house. But so how do we do that in a nice way?
0: Yeah. Sarah and I have taken to saying we usually pick Kiwami for lunch, but we're happy to go anywhere. So that way we've stated a preference, but if they don't want to go to we can go somewhere right. else.
1: Well, and this reminds me of a, a related choice-making tool. I just want to mention this because I think this is very clever. It's kind of for a, a more complex kind of decision. But like, let's say you're doing something with somebody else or even more challenging, a group, and it's something like Disneyland where there's lots of decisions to be made and you have to figure out how to use your time. I think this is a really smart thing to do. So you tell each individual, especially if there's some people who are bad about saying what they want and you really want to encourage them to speak up, You tell everybody, make a list of your top five choices, right? So you're not telling the group what to do. You're just saying your top five choices. Then you compare everybody's choices, and then you can make a decision like, okay, let's pick these three things because many people want to do these three things, but let's make sure every single person has one of their top two choices. And then we can kind of build around there. And that way you feel like everybody's being accommodated, but no one's taking over. But then also you're not worried that you're writing roughshod over somebody just because they're not speaking up. That is a great idea. But you know, Elizabeth, as we're talking about it, it's occurring to me that I wonder if sometimes we tell ourselves we're being accommodating, but in fact, we're kind of task-shirking. It doesn't feel that way, but in a way we don't want to, have the decision fatigue or do the research or whatever to make a decision. So we tell other people like, you choose, as if like, oh, I'm giving you this gift when in fact I'm like handing you a task.
0: Yes, absolutely. Places that's true of Grutch would be, I think, choosing a hotel yeah. because that involves a lot of research. Right. Group gifts. Oh, yes. I mean, when you say there's a group gift and you go, I'm good with anything. Yes. Well, yeah. What are you suggesting? Yes, right. And I think we've all been guilty yes, of that. For sure. I know I have. For I've sure. been on both ends yes, of that. Yes,
1: yes, yes. So it's like by not deciding, you're making someone else decide. Right, exactly. Well, it's something like with a group gift, it's even like, well, how much are we going to spend? There's so many decisions to be made. So if you participate in the decision-making, you make it easier for everyone. This also reminds me of, we talked about this a long time ago in episode 138 about our parents and why our parents are such good house guests. And I realized that one of the reasons that they're such good house guests is they are full of desire, but easy to please. Mm. So they offer many things Ah. that they're excited to do and that they want to do, but whatever it is, they're excited. So if if you're like, where would you like to go? Mom is always like, well, what about this restaurant? And what about that neighborhood? But if you say, we're just going to order takeout pizza, they're both like, that sounds delicious. So they're full of desire, but also easy to please.
0: They are. They're good house guests. Sometimes being very specific about what we want allows other people to revel in the pleasure of giving it to us. Yeah,
1: because there's real pleasure in giving someone what they want. And if you never want anything, then no one can ever please you. So I think sometimes it is fun to say. It's like my friend who, when she would ask her husband, what do you want for dinner? He would say, everything you make is good. And she was so annoyed by this. She wanted him to say, make your frittata. It's my favorite. Or make spaghetti and meatballs. We haven't had that in so long and I love it. And she wanted the pleasure of making something that he really wanted it made it more fun for her now this isn't always true but it's worth yes. thinking about
0: absolutely
1: well let us know if you do try this at home and how stating a preference works for you and in what context do you think about stating a preference so let us know on instagram threads tiktok facebook drop us an email at podcast at or as always you can go to the show notes This is happiercast.com slash 462 for everything related to this episode.
0: Coming up, we have a habit hack, but first this break. We all know that our life and our health can be improved when we eat nourishing, healthy meals, but it can be hard to maintain. With Sunbasket Meal Kits, it's easy because they take care of the details. Sunbasket offers 18 chef crafted, dietitian approved recipes each week. With options like Mediterranean, carb-conscious, vegetarian, and keto-friendly, the recipes are quick and easy to follow, and you can enjoy a meal full of organic produce and clean ingredients that is ready in 30 minutes or less. Gretchen, we made the uh, Marrakesh merguez patties. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, but I loved eating it with warm carrot salad, And it was so good, and it got Jack eating something that he doesn't usually eat.
1: Go to sunbasket.com forward slash happier today to get $45 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com forward slash happier to get $45 off your first box plus free shipping. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because it gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. It's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier.
0: They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Okay, Gretchen, we're back with this week's happiness hack.
1: Yeah, okay. So this is something that occurred to me, and it's more of a reminder because this is a time of year when a lot of people are thinking about their happier trifecta and their New Year's resolutions, which, by the way, there are so many resources on GretchenRubin.com. So if you want anything Mm -hmm. for your one-word theme or your 24 for 24 or your habits, it's all there. Anyway. I was thinking about this hack, Elizabeth, because as I've told you, I'm giving you credit for getting me back into flossing because I didn't floss for so long. (laughs) And then because you were vowing to floss, I started flossing. And this reminded me that one of the things that happens with good habits that's very reassuring to remember when you're starting with a habit that's a little bit of an effort is they often become self-reinforcing. And so, for instance, with flossing, it took me a while to get into it. But now if I don't floss, my mouth feels kind of gunky. So like now I want to floss more. Like I feel uncomfortable when I don't floss. And so now it's a lot easier to keep that habit because I affirmatively want to floss. Whereas when I never flossed, I didn't think about flossing for like 10 years, even though people are constantly telling you to floss. I was like, that just doesn't apply to me for reasons that I can't really (laughs) explain. (laughs) I don't have to floss, but now I want to floss.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's also true of exercise. Like if you exercise regularly, when you don't exercise, you feel
1: restless, you don't feel right. And you say then getting up earlier. This may not be true for true night people, but often if you start getting up a little bit earlier, you do sort of adjust and it gets easier and you're sort of awake even if you don't want to be. You're like, well, you know, it's 8 o'clock. So the hack here is just in the new year or whenever – you're starting a habit. Remember, it will often get easier as you adjust to it. It might even become something that you feel like you really want to do or else you don't like the downsides of not doing it. So it gets easier. Good to know. Yes. And now, a know-yourself-better question. I love this know-yourself-better question. It's 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 one of these things It's just sort of fun to reflect on the arc of your life, sort of where you started, where you ended up.
0: Yeah. So the question is, did you ever make a vow as a child?
1: Yes. So, like, when I grow up, I will blank. Yes. And did you keep that vow? Now, my vow is I vowed to have a purple house. Huh. And I do not have to keep that vow because I live in an apartment building, so I cannot control it. But I will point out that I have two rooms in my apartment that are purple, which is okay. fairly unusual. So in my own way, I feel like I have tried to be true to that vow. I love it. How about you, Elizabeth? What, have, if anything, have you vowed? Well,
0: I vowed to live in New York City. The first time I went to New York with mom, I think it was just the two of us, I mean, I loved it so much. I was like, someday I want to live here. And then I went to college in New York City and lived there for nine years. And I'm so happy that I made that vow and kept that vow.
1: Well, I made a vow that I did not keep. So when we were growing up, our father really loves German chocolate cake. And so that was our tradition. We would cook him a German chocolate cake from scratch for his birthday. And of course, you know, mom was like, okay, you can only have so many spoonfuls of this or that. And I've had, when I'm a grown up. I'm going to make a German chocolate cake. I'm going to make many German chocolate cakes. The first time, I'm going to eat as much batter as I want. And then I'm going to eat as mm. much frosting as I want. And then I'm going to eat as much finished cake as I want. Because each stage is so delicious, and no one ever lets me have all I want. But mm. I have not kept that vow.
0: Oh, well, you yeah. haven't. Yeah, that was before you uh, swore <laughs> but off but sugar. But that's why I had to
1: quit sugar, because I was the kind of person yes. who I was like, All I want to do is sit down and eat an entire bowl full of German chocolate cake batter.
0: Yeah. Well, I will say that German chocolate cake is my favorite dessert of all time.
1: Beyond good. We haven't made it for him in a long time. Maybe we should do that again. But we asked listeners about their childhood vows, and it's really fun to see people's vows and whether they kept them.
0: Yeah. Robert said, I vowed that when I became a parent, I would act according to the golden rule so my children would learn how to become good people by modeling my behavior. I vowed that I wouldn't just say empty aphorisms. Obviously, it's up to my kids to judge how well I followed my vows, but I will note they have turned
1: out to be excellent adults. That's so nice. Neelan said, I vowed to help people, animals, and planet Earth as a child. I've been doing that every day for more than 20 years now and achieved more than my six-year-old self dreamed possible. I also wanted a cat and a dog and have now fostered and adopted over 60 cats and six dogs. So, yeah, Target smashed. Okay. I love it. Carrie
0: says, I vowed to never serve my children powdered milk, and I have definitely kept that promise.
1: Monique said she vowed to be a teacher, and I am. There were many detours. I didn't become one until I was 48. Wow, vow kept. Terry said,
0: I grew up in a house filled with smoke and vowed to never smoke. I kept that promise to myself.
1: Karen said, I vowed that I would never take vacation time to clean and organize my house. Vow kept. (laughs) Christine said, I
0: vowed I would go out every night. I could not imagine having the freedom to do whatever I wanted as an adult and choose to stay home. Vow definitely broken. This
1: reminds me, Jamie once said to me, if my kid self knew that I could like go to the Knicks all the time, go to Knicks games, and I just didn't go every single chance I had, I would have been just flabbergasted because of course, what do you want to do but go to a Knicks game every single night that you can? But... Hannah said, I will have snacks right before dinner time. Sometimes I do, and I still love that there's no one to tell me that I can't.
0: And finally, Kim said, after track practice one day in high school, I vowed I would run a marathon one day. At 52 years old, I ran the Marine Corps Marathon this year. Wow, wow! Vow kept congrats.
1: excellent gold star. Well, this is so fun. Let us know what your vows are. I love. I for some reason I think this is just fascinating, and it's very exciting yes. to realize that you've kept a childhood vow or decided against a childhood vow out of adult wisdom. It's just an interesting way to reflect on yourself. Yes. And now a listener question. This is interesting. Yes, and
0: this comes, Gretchen, from Anonymous, uh-huh. who says. My in-laws are loving and well-intentioned, but they are so much. Anytime I express the slightest liking or interest in something, they shower me with stuff related to it. I said that I had a nice time baking cookies with my daughter, and the next time we all saw each other, they gave me two cookie sheets, a spatula, a mixing bowl, three (laughs) cookbooks, and an apron. When I mentioned that I like olives, they gave me 10 giant jars of different varieties of olives, and now every time my family goes to their house, they have a big bowl of olives and say to me, we know these are your favorite, eat all you want. I like olives, but now I feel a huge pressure to eat (laughs) a lot of them. I know it sounds so spoiled and ungrateful of me to say that I don't want these well-meaning gifts. I am truly touched by their thoughtfulness and appreciate their lovingness. But they give me so many things, I literally don't know what to do with it all. How do I ask them to stop in a way that doesn't hurt their feelings? My husband says, just take it, say thank you, and re-gift it. They'll never notice if it disappears. But I don't like seeing them spend their money and energy on giving me gifts that I don't want. And I don't want to have to deal with the stuff.
1: Well, this is a good problem to have because it comes from a place of love, And it's very well-intentioned. And they're paying attention to what you like, but too much attention. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, I think they sound like overbuyers. Overbuyers love an opportunity to buy. They get very excited. They often will, like, outfit things unnecessarily. Like, I know a friend of mine who's an overbuyer who travels. I mean, the stuff she comes up with for traveling She's looking for opportunities to, like, identify things. And so part of it is, like, they're getting tremendous pleasure out of it. And so that is true. Like, it's for you, but they're really enjoying it. But that doesn't address her issue, which is, what do you do with all these things?
0: Well, one thing she could do, Gretchen, is say, like, instead of saying, oh, we had a great time making cookies and leaving it there, maybe she says, we had a great time making cookies. Not that I want to make cookies all the time, but it was fun doing it Right, right, right. Yeah. So, or say, oh, occasionally I love the perfect Right, olives. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not something that I like to eat every day, but I can appreciate it once in a while. And just always be giving conditions yeah. on how much you that like That sounds best. like it'd be
1: hard to remember to do. Like, good if you think of it. Or, like, if you see their eyes light up, probably they're, like, they yes. give themselves a glance, like, hey, here, let's go. Yes. But also, so, you know, I have that gift-giving quiz, which everybody can take, com slash quiz. And it divides people into tried and true, easy-to-please enthusiasts and connoisseurs. And I think they probably are easy-to-please, where they're like, oh, you Mm. know, all these things are kind of the same. And, And we just want to show you that we love you and we're thinking of you. But if you're a connoisseur, you want, like, the really fine thing or, like, an enthusiast. Like, you want to really have a very careful choice. And so somebody just sort of buying these things casually is probably not yielding the kind of you just have a different attitude towards what makes somebody want a possession. And that's fine. Our father is an easy to please. Elizabeth, I think you're an easy to please, right? Yeah, you're an easy to please. Yes. And so, yeah, they're easy to please. Give them an apron. You know, but you get a connoisseur, you get an enthusiast. Sometimes they're like, ooh, I only want this super, I want pockets. I I don't like a strap that is adjustable. You know, they got all their things that they want. Yeah. And so they feel like, oh, these gifts are great. And and maybe they're not so aware of it. So maybe that doesn't help with your problem, but it might help you understand their point of view, which is they just don't understand why you're not. So excited. Like, oh, three cookbooks. It's like, but I want the cookbooks that I want. I don't want just any cookbook.
0: Yeah. So for as to how to deal with the problem, Gretchen, it may be an instance where she may have to just think, my husband knows his family, and if he thinks I should just take these things and then re-gift or or donate... Then just do it because, again, the big issue is getting along with your in-laws, and it sounds like you have great in-laws, so sometimes you just take people for what they are and accept their quirks.
1: Right. Because the thing is, giving and getting gifts is very, very important to relationships. I mean, maybe their love language is giving and receiving gifts, and so this is a really important way for them to feel like they're showing their love for you and while you're sort of like, oh, you don't need to shower me with these gifts. For them, it's really important. So yeah, maybe. But I'd be very curious, listeners, what are other solutions that we're not thinking of? Because we don't want to add to the landfill. We want people to want their possessions, but this is a tricky one.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people deal with this with grandparents and grandchildren. Oh, yeah, We've heard from many yes. listeners who are trying to stop yes. the grandparents from overloading grandchildren with gifts. So this definitely comes up.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: All right, Gretch, coming up, I have something of a repeat demerit with a a slight twist. First, (laughs) this break. My closet was chaotic, crammed with a bunch of clothes, but nothing to wear. The Game Changer, upgrading to high-quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have a wardrobe of luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Gretchen, I got from Quince these super soft fleece wide-leg pants in black, and I actually look put together when I go to pick up Jack from school.
1: They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Indulge in affordable luxury go to quince dot com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and three hundred and sixty five day returns that's q u i n c e dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns quince dot com slash Gretchen
0: this year I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight
1: or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, listen to demerits and gold stars. And we really do often have a repeat demerit. So what is your demerit and what is your twist? Okay,
0: well, it's a repeat demerit because it's my same demerit as Halloween, okay. but the twist is I'm talking about Christmas okay. now, not Halloween. Oh, wow. Which is that... We did not decorate in a timely manner. Uh Uh-huh. So we were leaving for Kansas City on a Thursday. We got our Christmas tree Monday night. Uh Uh-huh. And then didn't put the lights on until Tuesday and then didn't decorate with ornaments until Wednesday. Uh Uh-huh. So that is not a timely manner when you're leaving right. to go away on Thursday.
1: Okay. I have a few questions about this demerit. I mean, one thing you could say is it's really the process of getting the tree and putting on the ornaments that that's the fun. So you you could right. argue that you had the full experience even though you weren't enjoying the way they look. But it is true that holiday decorations tend to extend longer. So yes, that's how you feel.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I just think if you want to have that festive December right. feeling,
1: right.
0: you need the decorations right. out earlier than the day before you're leaving.
1: Well, here's Christmas. another question. So when we go to Kansas City, our parents do an amazing job with holiday decorations. I mean, it is yes. beautiful and gorgeous. Do you think that it's sort of like... Well, you know you're entering into the decoration zone, and so you're sort of like, well, I don't need to do it as much here in Los Angeles because when we go to Kansas City... We'll have that atmosphere.
0: I do think unconsciously, yes, that is going on. Like, I'm like, am I really going to decorate? I'm not totally committed. And so I don't make that step. But I know that Jack really wants a tree every year, whether or not we're in L.A. Uh, So at least I need to do the tree. And maybe we need to just set a date. Every year on X day, we get our tree. And then go through with decorating it that day.
1: Well, you know, when we were growing up, it was my birthday that was the catalyst. It was always like the Sunday after yes. my birthday. And Jack and I have almost the same birthday. So I would throw that out there. But Elizabeth, I also say like you might have been having, I mean, it is a repeat to merit, But on the other hand, you were just coming off major holiday responsibilities. So I do think yeah. maybe you just needed a little bit more recovery time. That was not a big window in between. That's true. Thanks. Yes, it felt like I was still recovering from Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. So
0: that's true. Anyway, next year with the holidays, I will try to do better.
1: Well, one thing I will throw in there is that the research does show that traditions make people happier, and they help children feel more secure and, like, more attached to their yes. family. But it's also true that traditions need to evolve and be realistic. One of the things we stopped doing was having a live tree because live trees are a mm-hmm. lot of work. And it was just like, well, since we're going to Kansas City, and that was hard for me to let go of that. So there's ways to in- incorporate the traditions in ways that are realistic. But there's also something special about old fashioned way of doing it. So
0: OK, Gretchen, what is your gold star?
1: OK, I've said this before. OK, repeat gold star. It is so handy, especially in times like when there's a lot of stuff to be done. Both of my daughters, Eliza and Eleanor, love doing errands. This is like the greatest thing to have Hmm. in a child. I know you get what you get, and you don't get upset when it comes to your own child. But this is definitely something I'm very happy that I got because – When they're not in school or whatever, they're just out and about. I'm like, hey, if you happen to go by a drugstore, could you get X? And they usually will. Or, hey, I really need... That is a nice I need somebody to drop. But we had this mail theft in our neighborhood. So now we have to mail things at the post office, which is just... It's not that far away, but it's a nuisance. And I'll be saying to Eleanor, like, hey, will you just walk this over to the post office for me? And she's like, okay. I'm like, that is a handy thing in a child.
0: That is. Way to go, Eliza and Eleanor. Maybe when Jack drives, he will do this. See, in in L.A., you have to drive everywhere. So he
1: couldn't do an errand if he wanted to. But I remember when when I was in high school, did you do this with your friends? We would run errands together. Like, you'd go pick up a friend and, like— I would ride along while she was doing errands for her parents. It's just like, yes, oh, I got to go, I got to go to yes. go to these three things for my parents. Come drive around with me and we just drive around. I thought it was so fun. Yes. Okay, the resource for this week. Okay. This week is the anniversary of my book The Happiness Project, which is amazing. And by now, you may have heard me talk about the fact that in 2024, I am redoing an official happiness project as part of this new course. The Happiness Project Revisited. So I am going to give away a free spot. Join me. Mm -hmm. And starting today, if you visit my profile on Instagram or Facebook, you will see some simple instructions about how to enter. I'll randomly select one winner, and I'll announce it on social media by the 3rd of January. This is really unusual. I I don't really do this, but you can get the whole course free of charge, Happiness Project Revisited, your happiness project, my happiness project. It's going to be super fun. So join in. And if you want more information, just go to GretchenRubin.com and you can read about it. That's so awesome. Yeah. And what are we reading, Elizabeth? What are you reading? I am reading
0: Exit Interview, The Life and Death of My Ambitious Career by Christy Coulter.
1: And I am reading Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. State your preference. Let us know if you tried it and what preference did you state? Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch.
0: Gretchen's on Instagram and TikTok and threads at Gretchen Rubin. And I'm on Instagram and threads at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast
1: at And to state our preference, we would really prefer it If you rate, review, (laughs) or follow our show, or even better, share a link with a friend, that is how people discover our show. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. Elizabeth, what is your favorite errand to do?
0: Mm, My favorite errand is... Uh, probably going to the drugstore because, you know, there's
1: always stuff to look at. Yeah. I love a drugstore. How about you? I think needing to go buy something from a bookstore. I like to browse, but I, mm. I get a special kick out of like going and picking something up. Speaking of visiting the drugstore, you know how I visit the Met every day? I was talking to a guy who says that he visits his big chain drugstore every day. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I 100% get that. There's so much happening in a large drugstore. I it's, yes. it's endlessly fascinating. I'm like, I would 100% commit to do that. Yes. From the Onward Project. This episode is brought to you by Maui Nui Venison, a mission-based food company bringing the healthiest red meat on the planet directly to your door. I highly recommend their venison jerky sticks. I love them. I like the original kind. I like the peppered kind. They're great for carrying around. They make a great snack. They're delicious and very filling.
0: Not only does this company provide the most nutrient-dense and protein-dense red meat available, this is the only stress-free, 100% wild-harvested red meat on the market, an operation that is actively managing Maui's invasive axis deer populations, helping to restore balance to vulnerable ecosystems and communities in Hawaii. Get 20% off your first order at www.MauinuiVenison.com slash Gretchen. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-V-E-N-I-S-O-N dot com slash Gretchen.